you see, Chief? I'll tell you what happened, Chief. Everything was going okay, Chief, you see, when... Well, you see, Chief... Oh, come on, Chief, listen to me, will you? Now, look, I'm not alibiant, Chief. Well, look, Chief, what happened, see? Well, you see, I was going right. I was going to my right, see? You got it, Chief? Well, now... Well, well, Chief... Now, listen, Chief, the wind... Chief, the sun got my eyes. I'll tell you, the sun got my eyes. Now, look, Chief. No, not Buffalo. Oh, Chief, no. Bring it up there, Chief. Bring it up all the way. And for all of you out there who have been looking for the universal alibi ever since you sprang into this veil of tears, you have tuned to the right channel. This is the moment when you're liable to get the universal solvent that will let you out of all those problems. It's the alibi hour. Hello, Gimpy. Hello, Staten Island. Are you still shipping water over there? Bring it up. Oh, Darian. Oh, what a bit of hotbed, rotten sin of mediocrity. Bring it up. Westport, oh, right up. How are you, Teaneck? Oh, you old slob. Oh, uh, Philadelphia sitting out there stewing in its own juice. Some mornings you wake up and you look in the mirror and you just know it's a cute day. You just know you're very cute on that morning. You just know, and ten minutes later, you're standing... Hey, come on, watch me, Tony. Ten minutes later, I, I told you to watch me. Ten minutes later, you're standing in front of the mirror, and you're singing it out, and you know it's one of them days where you're singing good. Boy, you're laying it out. I'm the chief. I'm the chic of ear At night, when you're asleep, oh baby, into your tent I'll creep, creep, creepy, creep. The stars that shine above will light our way to lovey dove, love, love. You rule, you rule this old land with me, baby. I'm the sheep, 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 come and rub me, grass my pants, root me too. Bring it up there, it's a cute day. I'm the sheik of Arabic. Pow, pow, your love, your love belongs to me. Ba, ba, do, ba, ba, da, that night, at night, when you're asleep. Ba, ba, da, ba, into your tent, your tent, I'll creep, 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 the creep, 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 the stars that shine above. Oh, my heart, wait
tell you, there are times when you wake up and you know you are on. You just know you are on. And uh, you look into that old mirror, you know, and you flutter your jowls a little bit, and you, you scrape your teeth, and you, 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 know, you spit a little bit, and you know that the juices are flowing and the glands are moving in the right direction. The sap is coming up through the veins. Now, don't, don't chicken out with me in there, Tony. Uh, for those of you out there, what do I want? No, no, I'll tell you when I want Stars and Stripes. Don't make an automatic change. You just keep uh, chic up, and when I call for Stars and Stripes, I'll call for Stars and Stripes. Do not ever inflict Stars and Stripes on me unwittingly. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'll tell you, it's a funny thing. Um, you, you know, there are times when you do, you just you just feel like... Uh, this, by the way, this program is dedicated to all you Carlton Fredericks fans out there, you blackstrap molasses nuts. And uh, now it isn't blackstrap he's always on. It's vitamin E addicts out there. Those of you who are who are mainlining vitamin E, we're going to dedicate this to you because you must wake up every morning with the spring in your step, yelling and hollering and spitting and snorting. And uh, <laughs> it's like my old man used to say, he'd get up in the morning and on. Of course, you see, we, we all come out of that basic animal background. No question about it, we are an animal. We are not an abstraction. We are an animal. We sweat. And uh, our knees crack. And, uh, oh, yes, well, all, all, it's, it's all there. The same thing happens with tigers and lions and turtles. And my old man used to get up in the morning. Not, not many, I suppose not many of us today do realize. I, I suspect one of the things wrong with many kids of now is that the kids are raised almost in abstraction. In short, many kids don't even see real people. They, they see camp counselors. Uh, they do. They're not real people. No kids. A camp counselor is not a real man. He winds up. And uh, it's a very different kind of lady that, that they didn't know. They can't. Now, cheers. We need time for leathercraft hour. That's not exactly the way my Aunt Min used to talk about her false teeth. And so I think large numbers of kids from the, about the time they're six, Tony, I would say, are put into a kind of limbo. A limbo world, you know? They go, they, go to, they go to boarding school. Now, those are not real people either. They're kids at boarding school. Those are teachers. That's a very different uh, process. They, they are teachers. They are advisors. Then in the summertime, it's off to Campsville. Well, this goes on until the guy is about 18 years old. And then the next thing you know, he's off to Princeton. That ain't a real world either, kid. And so, and so eventually, by the time the guy is a junior in Princeton, he is ready to go marching off into all kinds of realms of unreality. Holy smokes, I've never heard more unreality than any, give, any given five minutes of any given teach-in. And, of course, you take a teacher who's been sitting on his thing, you know, at Princeton or Harvard for the last 150 years, and a kid who's been sitting on his thing since he was eight years old, naturally, you got the land of Oz going full blast. Full B-L-A-S-T. Full blast. Now, now I'll tell you, most kids, they don't, don't, uh, they don't have much contact with real people. And the only contact they have with a real person is themselves. And, of course, the kid wakes up, he's sweating, he's got a headache, he doesn't care about Vietnam, he doesn't care about Joan Baez or anything. He thinks he's sick. Because all the other non-real people around him are, you know, talking about this kind of stuff. So he sits in, there, he sits in his room and he says, oh, what's the matter with me? Look at me, oh, hey. Holy smokes, I got skin trouble. That's what's worrying me. It's not the civil rights problem. It's worrying me. It's this pimple. Gee whiz, wow. And uh, he begins to feel very unworthy. Very, very unworthy. Now, if he had grown up in, in an area around which 
were real people, you know, like if he had a, a father and a mother type, you know, and, I mean, that were real people, he would be a very different kind. Like, for example, my old man used to get up in the morning and I would hear him, see, I'd, I'd be in the next room, I'd be dressing or something, and he would go rushing into the bathroom and you'd hear the water go, and you'd hear, ah, ah, he's coughing, you see, he's, he's blowing it out. He's, uh, <laughs> he's clearing out the pipes. No, I'm telling you exactly what would happen. And that's the morning sound of a real person, you see, cleaning out the pipes and getting ready for the day's battle. And he's in there sucking like mad on the first cigarette. He's going... You can hear him in there. And, and, and the instant he's got this one sucked right down to a nub, all the while he's brushing his teeth, you hear him lighten one from the other end. <laughs> and then once in a while he'd say, he'd say, uh, you'd hear him all, oh, what? Oh, oh, good spit's good for you in the morning. Oh, pow. Well, now, I grew up, uh, now, it wasn't that my father was a slob. Not at all. Well, of course, you know. Let's let's face it. Uh, now let us define slobbery. Uh, what is a slob? Is uh, now, seriously, friends, what is a slob? Is a slob a guy that snaps the garters on his on his on his uh, on his socks, or is a slob a guy who goes, oh, what a wonderful evening we had last night with Barbara Streisand? Which is a slob? Very hard. Not easy to determine. Oh, today's hero is tomorrow's klutz. <laughs> and today's great idea is tomorrow's buffoonery. And today's buffoonery is tomorrow's genius. So be careful, kid. Be careful, kid. Bring it up there all together now. Let's all sing it all together now. I got some great lyrics that I cannot sing on the air to this one. Oh, I'm the shake, I'm the shake. What's the matter, Tony? You look unhappy today. What's the matter, Tony? Are you catching it from Ralph? Huh? I think he is. What's the matter, Tony? Don't you love us today? That's what I thought. Well, that's what happens when you start to move forward in the world. Your old friends peel off. You know, speaking of old friends, you got the button in there? Yes, you better press the money button, please. Hit it. There we go. Ready to try a great fresh taste? New pour, taste fresher. Taste better too. New 
ready to try a great fresh taste, try Newport Menthol Cigarettes. Newport tastes fresher and tastes better than any other menthol cigarette. A blend of great tasting tobaccos, white filter, and mild natural menthol. Those people are concerned about you. They want you to smoke the right cigarette. Guess what? Oh, yeah. Did you did you read, uh, speaking of uh, advertisements, well, the ad world, you know, it's hard to tell where the ad world and the showbiz world stop, you know, where, where one merges into the other. In fact, they're becoming very much part and parcel of the same thing. And the other day, I am reading in one of the big ad journals you know you know are you aware that they even have a trade journal of, for ad people for those of you who don't know about it so it's really it's better than mad magazine i'll tell you i'll tell you it starts and stops and it doesn't just it's a bop a minute and it tells about this one guy who during his during his what they say during his practical week it's the way the article said i'm quoting it, it says during his the week uh, during his practical time he works at a big ad agency on uh, Manhattan's Madison Avenue, and of course he's right in there swinging, right in the pickle commercials, and he's knocking down with all that stuff about, you know, how much better, how the roses are going to come to your cheeks when you start smoking regularly, the right cigarette, oh wow, and uh, he's right, yeah, he is, he's writing all these things, and what do you think he does on Sunday? Well, he's a very famous ma minister on Sunday. And on Sunday, he mounts the pulpit, and he says in, in, the, in his little blurb there, it talks about him, he says, Well, I believe that the ad people and the ministry have a lot in common. Uh, they're both in communications. And uh, I carry over a lot of my own techniques from uh, the agency. I carry them over into spreading the light. I presume he's got slogans, and I imagine they have a little choir that sings the 60-second spot there in the middle of the commercial, like, You'll love God! You love God, Rasmus God loves you, Rudy Tooty Toot. And he said, oh, 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 it's beginning to. It's, have you heard any of those commercials? I, I, they don't play them in New York. But I'll tell you, I was up in Maine one day and I heard one of these commercials. I couldn't believe they had it on the air. It just uh, came on. Uh, you could hear this choir. It wasn't, it wasn't really a choir, it sounded like a combination of the Beatles, the Andrews Sisters, and the Mormon choir. It's a very peculiar combination. You know, they were kind of walk right down that line there. It's very hard today to be uh, off any given line. I'm walking along the line there, and I can hear them singing, and they're singing, Go to church, boing, 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 go to church, go to church this Sunday, and on came this, then the guy comes on, he says, Hello, Charlie, what are you doing today? And Charlie says, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, I'm just distracted. I don't know what it is. I got my foot cut in a lawnmower. And, oh, and my boss is yelling and hollering at me. And, oh, everything's gone. Oh, hell, that's what it's doing. I just, don't bother me, Fred. Well, Charlie, uh, have you tried your local neighborhood friendly, reliable, industrious church? Satisfaction is guaranteed down there, you know. Huh. What do you mean? Well, why don't you come with me, and together we will go, and we will investigate this new way to peace and happiness. Let's go. Go to church. Go to church. Rasmus. Go to church. Da, 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 Satisfaction guaranteed. 
And now let's get back to the top 30. Uh, that's just exactly the way it went. Uh, holy smokeroonies. <laughs> Great Scotterini. They were selling, they were selling, that's all right, I don't know where I am. They were selling that, they were selling that the same way, they were selling that the same way that this outfit sells that wild toothpaste. Uh, speaking, speaking of, oh, you got the wild toothpaste thing in there? Replace the words right here. Just replace the word McLean with Sunday School and you got it. Here's Stan Getz and Astro Gilberto for McLean's. It's McLean's, the toothpaste that cleans with a new kind of taste that's wild. What a taste, what a zing. When you smile, all the bells will ring. Get them white, start tonight with McLean's. You still using that sweet kid stuff? Try the new toothpaste that gets teeth irresistibly white. You can actually feel McLean's whitening. Your whole mouth feels refreshed and invigorated. Get a white, start tonight with McLean's. Taste the difference, try new McLean's, you go. Yes, friends, McLean's is a sexual experience. So, uh, I mean, that's what you're looking for, isn't it? All of you out there, all of you child, you children of Freud, <laughs> you're looking for kicks. Have you noticed that she says, yes, you can actually feel your teeth whitening. Yes, yes, you can feel your teeth whitening. Like it's a gas, you know. I can see a guy in there. They, uh, can, can you imagine this this 12-year-old kid getting all McLeaned up? And uh, the mother comes in, and there he is. He's out on the floor, gassed to the ears, and seven empty tubes of McLeans all squeezed all over the floor next to him. <laughs> Please, Tony, another one. You got another one in there for us? Oh. Is your car old enough to smoke? Surprising how many cars are. Is your car old enough to smoke? Surprising how many cars are. Is your car a big smoker? Get Prestone Oil Miser and curb its appetite. Prestone Oil Miser is just what the name says. A miser for saving oil in any car. On sale wherever auto supplies are sold. Added to your regular oil... Prestone Oil Miser stops oil burning, restores lost power. Insist on Prestone Oil Miser, a brand name you know, a brand name you can trust. Get a can of Prestone Oil Miser today and start saving oil. If your car's old enough to smoke, surprising how many cars are. If your car's old enough to smoke, get Prestone Oil Miser. That's wiser by far. Preston Oil Miser is a product of Union Carbide. Yes, indeed. My Ford smokes Newports. Are you we got there? Okay, very good. Uh, speaking of uh, misers, this is WOR, AM and FM New York. And uh, <laughs> we'll be here for a while. You know, uh, <laughs> George, you don't know how true that is, Dad. Uh, you should hear him. Uh, wouldn't you like to work, one of you guys just like to work at one place once, where they say, look, fella, just don't worry about it. Money is no object. 
just once, <laughs> just once I'd like to work in a place where they say, look, the object is to get the, done, get the job done right. The object is to go all the way. Money is no object. Forget it. The only time I've ever been involved in, in anything like that where it was really sickening, it was fantastically sickening, uh, incredible. The only, the only place where this happens is in these giant fiascos that you see on Broadway where they really do say money is no object. And it's sickening when you're actually around it to see what actually happens with money when it's no object. They wind up getting $17,000 sequin gowns, which are never used in the scene, you know, that kind of thing. And... Uh, Ever since, ever since I have been in radio and television, ever since I've worked in the whole, this, this whole area of what is euphemistically called, by the way, that's the new word. Do you know that no ad agency ever now today admits that it's in the business of selling? It calls itself in the business of, guess what? Where's my kazoo here? It's good to blow it up. And practice. It says, we are in the business of communication. See, communication is a good word. Selling is a bad word. <laughs> so no ad agents. Oh, no, they do. They think themselves in the communication industry. And they're communicating the idea that you better get on the stick right now and buy this, uh, you know, whatever the jazz is that they're foisting off on the public at this given moment. Uh, speaking of foisting it off, how many of you, you know, it's funny, have you, have you noticed that we will pass through periods of giant discovery, where there is a new discovery and everybody's all excited about it and they're yelling about it. There are 14,000 ads about it. And it's as though at last mankind has broken into the light. You know, at last we have broken out of the dark ages and we have torn aside the curtain of ignorance and we have moved into a bright new world with the banners flying and the band playing and the people cheering and yelling and... People are uh, marching forward at long last into true civilization. You remember when they said, yes, at long last, the discovery that answers all kinds of important questions that carries mankind into new areas of protectiveness, new areas of security, chlorophyll. Where the heck is chlorophyll now? You remember a couple of years ago when, that, when one big advertising agency with the banners flying and the band playing, and somehow it becomes an American thing. Americans are pushing back the frontiers of ignorance. You remember when this outfit said, once again, America stands on the threshold of new discoveries in teeth cleaning, the new liquid toothpaste. Remember that liquid toothpaste? I knew a guy that drank four bottles of it and went out of his skull for a month. The best thing, I believe me, it was the best thing since Sterno. Little old ladies would be standing over their sink hiccuping, you know. And where is it now? Where is it now, really? Do you remember the liquid toothpaste? I will award you a brass figurine with bronze oak leaf palm if you can even tell me the name of this liquid toothpaste. 
They had giant radio shows. I even think they sponsored at one point Bob Hope or somebody like a big deal. They were on. You remember that? Holy smokes. Now, uh, why do I have a mind that retains that kind of crud? I cannot remember any algebra. You come to me and you ask me what the date of 18, what the war of 18, what year the war of 1812 was fought in. I'm likely to say 1798. I just don't remember the, but I'll, I remember the name of that toothpaste. And why? Well, I'll tell you why. My mother brought home what they called the fa large family friendly hospital size. This was the seven gallon size that was selling for two cents off at our local friendly A and P. You know, the big jug of this stuff. And it was it was bright red, and she brought this stuff home and set it up because she you know she listened to all the radio shows and all that. She loved all that stuff. She she bought every new wash day discovery that came along. That's why she had such big knuckles. Later. Uh, the stuff soaked the skin right off of her ears, you know. And and uh, she brought this big jug of stuff home, set it up on on the on the little shelf over the sink there. And every morning we were supposed to do the stuff with the toothpaste, you know, with the with the teeth and all that. And I had this little toothbrush. And so about the about the third or fourth morning, I discovered this stuff tasted really great. Not only did it taste great, somehow it. Uh, it tasted great, you know. It, it tasted better than candy. It had a little pizzazz, you know. Wow. So I took the sipping toothpaste, liquid toothpaste. I would come in here like that, see. Of course, it was the first toothpaste to come out that was 40 proof. And uh, and <laughs> I suspect that later on, all the liquor authorities got after me. In fact, I know that later on, they had to, they had to get a liquor license to sell that toothpaste. But it was a great toothpaste while it lasted. Now, the point I'm only trying to make here is that there was a, there was a giant brouhaha about that. And they had it in all the store windows. And they had the big signs, you know, it says, it's here at last. Full supply, stock, no waiting. You know, that kind of thing. Where is it now? It's like in about three months, there's going to be a lot of guys stuck with a heck of a lot of unsold skateboards. <laughs> you know? And there's going to be a lot of people are going to wonder what to do with that doggone thing. You know, why, why are we going to do with the thing? He says, why don't you take the wheels off and make something out of it? Put it under the coffee table or something. And, and it's just like, you know, wouldn't you like to have a closet full of your previous nuttinesses? You know, you have a, a full collection, a full decorator, a, a shade, the whole seven colors of hula hoop. They're all back there. You have your, <laughs> you have all the records that you thought were fantastic at the time, and you can't stand them now. You had to go out and buy it immediately. You know, like the like the Andrews sisters doing the song of India. Uh, <laughs> you had to go out and buy that. Now you got this monstrosity hanging around. <laughs> and and it's it's funny though when when people. When, when when people buy something at the time, you know, something that really, it, it comes along and it hits like a bomb, a big, big shell, they they have the feeling that this this thing answers a real, genuine void. It answers a real, a real void in their life, and they've got to have this thing. I just wonder how many houses have got guitars in them uh, that are stuck back in the closet there behind the inner tubes. You know, <laughs> and the overshoes, and they keep bugging you. You see it back there in the shadow. It keeps looking at you. If 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 only they made this stuff so that it was dissolvable. In other words, if all the Beatle records would dissolve after the Beatle craze is over, so that people wouldn't be reminded how silly they were at one point, uh, it would it would life would be a lot easier. Seriously, if all if all the hula hoops somehow dissolved, but you know, down on Second Avenue, way down around A Street, where they've got all these junk shops. 
They had a pile of hula hoops down there the other day that was head high. They were selling them for seven cents, and nobody was buying. Nobody was buying. And so you can probably buy somewhere in a warehouse. There must be jugs and jugs of liquid toothpaste, unsold, gathering dust, until the next agency catches a hold of it and sells it all over again. It will start. It will begin and take off. Because, you know, uh, are you aware that skateboards are not new? Do you know that skateboards had a giant... Are you aware that they had a giant craze? The skateboard had a big craze in the 20s? You aware of that? And they used to call it... Uh, at that time, I, I, a guy wrote me a long letter about it, and he worked in a factory where they made them. And he said in those days, they used to call them roller skateboards. Now... The reason that they sold a lot of them now is because somehow, magically, they have tied in the roller skateboard with surfing. It has no relationship whatsoever to do with surfing in any way, shape, or form. But people who buy roller skateboards think somehow they're connected with surfing. And, and I'm sure, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, and it has nothing to do with surfing whatsoever. And I'm sure that a guy one day in about 10 years who's got a warehouse full of 18 million uh, hula hoops is going to somehow say, look, the whole hoop idea is, is all over. Let's see. I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's call it terrestrial parachute jumping. Yeah, we'll call it parachute rings. And the guy who has a hula hoop going around him is pretending he's parachuting. See, you're going like that. You know how you swing back and forth when you got a parachute? Sure, your guy swings back. I got it, Manny. We'll call them para-rings. That's what we'll call it. And we'll get the rock and rollers to sing, I got my power ring, baby. I got my power ring, baby. I'm jumping, jumping for you. I got my power ring, baby. My power ring, baby. And see, and sure enough, there will be 18 million people who are pretending that they're parachute jumping in their, in their ex hula hoops. And, be, <laughs> and, and it's all part and parcel of that, that finding the hook finding the, the, the thing upon which you can swing and then you can go all the way. Uh, that, that's called the, the weenie. Are you aware that in, in writing terms it's called the weenie? That's called, that, another word for the weenie is the gimmick. Uh, and, uh, and if you can convince a guy that he's better off using liquid toothpaste instead of toothpaste that squirts, you've got the weenie going. Uh, if you can convince a guy that he's better off chewing chlorophyll than, say, chewing mint, you got the weenie going. If you can convince a guy that he's better off getting his arm broken on a on a skateboard than getting it broken in a Volkswagen, or or getting it busted uh, jumping off of a diving board, then you got the weenie going. Uh, <laughs> that's called the weenie or the hook. Uh, and in fact, uh, the 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 words there's many words for this, you know, Tony. One of them is called the gaff. What's the gaff? Now, do you know what a gaff is in fishing, friends? Have you ever seen a gaff hook at work? A gaff is a long spear with a hook on it. And when the fish comes high enough to the surface, they stick it in his gill and pull him right out of the water. That's the gaff. <laughs> well, what gaffs are working on you? Speaking of the gaff, do you have another little whoopee in there for us, Tony Boy? There it comes. All together, gang. Now let's go. Let's sing it out. Oh, with summer on its way, millions of vacationing Americans will be touring the country. There's one familiar friend waiting for you wherever you go. It's the one true premium beer, sparkling, flavorful, distinctive Miller High Life. You know, when you order Miller High Life in Sacramento or Seattle, it's the same premium beer served in Syracuse or Atlanta. Miller High Life in bottles, cans, or on tap 
is brought to perfection in one brewery, only in Milwaukee. Miller, can you imagine a poor guy whose only friend is a can of Miller High Life? <laughs> Wherever you go. <laughs> Miller High Life is enjoyed in all 50 states and in more than 50 foreign countries. Miller High Life is waiting there, ice cold, waiting to welcome you, waiting to help you get bombed out of your skull. Miller High Life, you're one friend. Where's Matanz? Bring it up, Tony. It's Matanz. Rudy, too. And tomorrow night, uh, speaking of your one friend, your one friend is me. Let's face it, I'm the only guy you can rely on. I never yell at you. I never I never stick my hand out. I'm never putting the bite on you. I never come up to you with my eyes all wrinkled. So, oh, come on, you just understand me once, will you, Mabel? Never once. And so if you if you would like to join me, we will play Ring Around the Rosy tomorrow night at the Limelight. Oh, lovely. It, it, it really is nice. This, this is a great sound. What, what would you say? Now, you're an engineer. I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. Just listen carefully and give me an estimation, since you've heard a lot of sounds in your life. What is the frequency, the resonant frequency, roughly, of this, uh, this particular Jews harp? Listen. Now, that's the natural note of this Jews harp. What would you say? Huh? Uh, uh, give me the phone now. What is it? What, is, what would you say roughly, Tony? I'm curious. Yeah, in cycles. Fifty cycles? Is that low, huh? What would you say the key of it is? Or don't you know? B flat? Very good. All right, we'll, we'll uh, allow you musical types out there to throw this on your scope. <laughs> Try a couple of listed you figures on my Jews harp here. And? All right, now. Lovely, just beautiful. Isn't it, though? Uh, there's something about that instrument that brings, well, it just brings it into the t into the eyes there. That just You can see those old ladies watering up there. And how would you like a little hymn for uh, those of you? It's hymn time out there. How much would you care for bringing in the sheaves? Uh, or, or perhaps... Uh, Was that one? Do you know that one? All right, how about? Okay, very good.
So, uh, <coughs> uh, tomorrow night <laughs> we will be at the limelight. And uh, for those of you who, uh, who've wondered, for those of you who would like to experience a little of the rich, true elixir of life, to sip deeply at the springs of existence and life... Uh, we will be at the limelight tomorrow night down on 7th Avenue in Greenwich Village. Lovely old historic Greenwich Village. And uh, you come straight down 7th Avenue, which is one of the most beautiful thoroughfares of Manhattan. Take the, take the scenic route right through Chelsea. Uh, historic, lovely, old Chelsea. You drive right on down over beautiful 14th Street which, uh, as all of you know, is one of the garden spots of Manhattan. Drive over 14th Street. Look to your left, and you'll see Louis' pool shop, pool room right there. It's upstairs. And if you look behind those screens, yes, uh, these are all the things that you can see on your way down to the limelight. And as you get into Sheridan Square, this Sheridan Square, by the way, I'll award you the brass figure. If you can tell me what Sheridan it's named after. Here's a clue. It is not named after a general. Huh? No, it's named after a Corporal Alfred Sheridan. Uh, Al Sheridan, as a matter of fact. <laughs> no, there's a long story about that. We don't have time to tell you about that. But we will be at the limelight beginning at five minutes past ten on Saturday night. Whoopee night. All of you are looking for a good, cheap place to go. To, you know, sit there and pretend like you're digging culture and all that stuff. And, you know, they've got a bar Z and everything. We'll be there from <laughs> five minutes past ten until midnight. And it's for just everybody. Oh, man. And, uh, and, and, and incidentally, if, uh, if they, if they tell you they don't have a, you know, that they don't have any seats, uh, you just push your way past. You just push your way past. And I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll tell you what I'll do tomorrow night for, for the benefit of those of you who can't get in before the show. How about it? Before the show at, 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 at 9.30. How about that? Let's make a whole thing. At 9.30, I will be outside the limelight, and, the, and, and all of you can come. We'll, we'll stand around and holler and yell and holler at Kelsey to, 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 to quit watering the beer at, uh, you know, the whole scene. You want to do that tomorrow night? All right, I'll be down in front of the limelight tomorrow night at, at 9.30. We will picket the Gene Shepherd show for being unfair since it does not allow uh, single-minded uh, minor klutzes to come in without paying a tariff, okay? Oh, hey, did you did you throw an echo chamber in there on me? That's great. That's great. Oh, fantastic. That's the way. Can you see Phil, Phil Spatonley and his magic Jews harp choir? your skull burn, isn't it? Get your old teeth burn. <laughs> hey, you know, speaking of burning the skull, uh, this is Friday night, you know. How much time do we have, baby? Do I have time to tell the, 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 the terrible debacle of a Friday night that I once suffered through in the Army that just, oh, it was just an incredible night? Uh, or should I save this for the limelight tomorrow night? 
Shall I, shall I tell you the, 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 the awful chicanery, the terrible story of Effie's ploy? Effie's ploy, which I later... Shall I tell you that story? No, I better not. You know, speaking of, of telling stories, it's a funny thing. Uh, <laughs> I believe, I really, I truly believe uh, that, that almost all fiction writers... Uh, almost everybody who writes any kind of fiction isn't really not writing fiction at all. I think what he's writing is the story of his life in one form or another. I really mean that. Unless the guy is working in the area of true fantasy. In other words, if I am, uh, if, if you're Jules Verne and you're writing about 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea or something like that, that's fantasy. But I suspect what we call fiction is in almost every case autobiography. In one form or another. In fact, I've known a half a dozen guys, friends of mine, who have written novels, you know, Tony and plays, and it's really their life. And everyone says he's a great fiction writer. Now, I, I will also further submit this to you, that the closer you approach to reality, the more people will think you're writing fiction. Until eventually, the guy that who really is writing reality will be called a true fiction artist. On the other hand, the guy, the guy who generally writes what we call uh, classical biography or autobiography is generally the true fiction writer. He's, you know, he's hooking it up all the way. He's covering up and dusting stuff under the carpet. and You know, he never tells you all uh, the real stuff. And the reason I thought about this is that I have been writing for Playboy. Now, my pieces in Playboy are as much fiction, I will submit to you, as, say, uh, J.D. Salinger's uh, reminiscences about, uh, let's say, Holden Caulfield and Catcher in the Rye. Because after all, he did go to a, you know, a military school himself. He did run away and all that. So is it autobiography or is it fiction? Well, the point that I'm, I'm getting at is that I, had, I wrote a story for the July issue of Playboy. Now, it's coming out this, this coming week. Uh, and it's the July issue. And it is an exact, almost a word for word, an exact... Uh, description of an actual event that actually occurred when I was a kid. Well, I am talking to the editor of Playboy, and he is saying, and by the way, he's the fiction editor. <laughs> so he says to me, he says, well, of course, he says, all you fiction writers, we're lumping you. Well, we've got a special deal for all your fiction. I says, fiction. Well, then I began to wonder, where does fiction stop and where does history begin? Where does it stop? You know that down south, they have an entirely different version of the Civil War than we've got up north in all the history books, in all the high schools. Are you aware of that, Tony? Well, are the guys that are writing that history book fiction writers? Or are the guys that write it up here fiction writers? Who knows, you know? <laughs> you go to you go to uh, England, and you know that they have an entirely different... Are you aware that the English version of the American Revolution... Is very different from ours. And who do you think the big hero of theirs is? Benedict Arnold. <laughs> Benedict Arnold is, 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 is one of the greatly admired heroes of the revolution. And so, you know, you don't know which way to turn. Which way to turn. Ah, but it is Friday. And you'll find the way to turn. And we will be at the limelight tomorrow at five minutes past ten. Just waiting to be cut off by Ted Malley. Just as we hit the point of our story. So they come on, say W-O-R and W-O-R-F-M. The RKO General family of stations. The station is devoted to good works. The station is devoted to good practices all the way down the line. In hot, you're going Yes, indeed, he won't. Keep your knees loose, Pappy, and keep those thumbs oiled.